Hello, everyone. Jonathan Lee here, founder and creator of Bridging Legacies Across Campuses. I'd like to thank you all for joining this edition of a podcast. Um, I have with me today Patricia Sasser. Um, she's a wonderful person. I had the privilege of meeting. Um, you've already seen her bio, which I'll publish um, later on for you to read. Uh, Patricia, welcome. Happy to have you. Well, thank you, Jonathan. I am happy to be here. Uh, that is absolutely great. Um, for my listeners that are not familiar with you, um, if you can walk us through kind of what you currently do, what you will be doing, and just who you are as a person in your professional journey by chance. Absolutely. So I'm Patricia Sasser. I am the, I'm just actually wrapping up my time at Ransom Everglades as the head of the upper school. And on July 1, I will be starting as the assistant head of school of St. Mary's School in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I'm moving from Miami to Raleigh. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're excited for this new chapter to explore some things. Um, my journey and who I am. I mean, whew, my, so my journey is from television to education. Um, I kicked off my professional career actually working at ESPN, where I spent the first seven years of my professional life. And um, during that time, got to do a lot of things. And then there became a point in my journey where I recognized that I was looking for something else just by how I was getting involved in the community and um, some of the things I was doing. It just made me reflect on what maybe I wanted to do moving forward. And so I actually decided I was going to up and um, I was going to let fate take over. So I got to this point where I applied to an event planning job, a major gifts officer job at my former school and a um, television job. And whichever one was going to happen, that's where I was going. And I signed as a major gifts officer with the Madeira School, which is where I went. And I signed two days before I got married. (laughs) Wow. Congratulations on all accounts. And um, as a sports person, Patricia, I'd be um, not doing a good job to my bias to say, what's one of the coolest things while working for ESPN during the seven years that you did to share with our listeners by chance? Ooh. Um... That is a great question. Let's see. You know, I'd say a couple. So I'll say a few things because depending on what you got to work on there, um, that that affected the level of um, involvement. Right. If it's really high profile and everything, you um, may not get to do as much. If it is everyone's in it together and a smaller team, you might get to do more. So I had the opportunity to actually, I had the opportunity to work on the NBA when ESPN got it. Um, I was on the original team. And during that time, I actually got to do the, um, all, the, um, the announcement with Tim Duncan um, being the player of the year and everything. Wow. And top secret, even from my boyfriend, I'm now husband. Um, I couldn't tell him I was going to San Antonio or anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I also got to work on like figure skating and skiing, which sounds very strange. I don't do either. Um, but small team, and we got to do everything. And I got wow. to interview Michelle Kwan, um, you know, Darren Rawls, like all these people that I, you know, it was just amazing. I just got to do everything and learn so much about sport, a sport, two sports that I didn't know that much about the inner work, the inner workings of. So it was pretty cool. Uh, thank you so much for that. And as you say that, and I reflect on your graduation years and such, I guess scream and hear of 1995 to 97 issues. You give you those 
few names and kind of reflect on that journey <laughs> of who those people are. Um, so going back a little bit further um, to 1991, if not sooner, mm. how did you end up at the Madeira School um, in Virginia? Yeah, so I'm a foreign service brat. Um, that's what we call ourselves. I'm not sure if that's still the terminology, but that's what it was then. So my mother um, was a diplomat for USIA, um, United States Information Agency. And so we had lived overseas since I was six years old. We lived in Nigeria, we lived in Haiti, and we lived in Niger. Um, mom from Baltimore, dad's Nigerian. So that's kind of a part of the journey as well. And we were living in Niger at the time and the school only went up to ninth grade, but ninth grade only had like seven people in it. Wow. Um, so <laughs> Niame was a very small post. So um, I had to go, I had to go away to school. And after every country, I'm one of four, after every country, a child had to drop off and go to school um, in the States, <laughs> except for my younger brother, who's the baby of the family. Um, so I, wanted to go somewhere else actually and and my school they know this so none of this is a secret my family knows that they're gonna laugh at this um I didn't want to go to Madeira <laughs> my, <laughs> my sister was there she was going to be a senior I was going to be a freshman you know we were we weren't as close as we are now right it was all girls I was all about big and co-ed and all kinds of things um and my parents <laughs> shut it down and they're like no um because we had family in the area and they right. really wanted me one to go to a school and overlap with my sister for a year but also somewhere where something happened family could get to me correct which I understand now but at 12 13 no not, it. not far not far to plan not <laughs> exactly far to plan. So that's how I ended up. Um, that's how I ended up in Madeira. And you were in Madeira as a border, correct? I was. Oh, I was full time border. I mean, when your parents are in West Africa, you um, you really know the campus. Um, exactly. <laughs> like, I was there all the time. Um, I did make friends with day students who help you, you know, get off campus, especially when they get their driver's license and everything. But oh yeah, I was very full time border. Perfect. I'll just double checking because sometimes with those aunts and uncles and folks next door, there's a moment where parents say, you know what, we're going to dip our toe in the process. But your parents sounded like they wanted the full immersion, which is something that's very valuable in that boarding school world. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, perfect. Well, hearing of your background and the traveling um, and being a foreign service brat, which, um, again, I'm, I'm only a couple of years behind you, but that's something that we still use kind of loosely with some of the different kids that are in that dem uh, in that demographic. When did you learn that you're black in your educational track or a black woman to put the intersectionality together? At what time did that happen for you in your educational journey? Hmm, that That's a great question because, you know, as a, I, I mean, I always knew in my life, you know, my mom, my dad, I could look in the mirror. I always knew um, but I started my life in Northwest DC. Um, so I saw reflections of myself in the elementary school I was at. And then I moved to schools in Sub-Saharan Africa and in Haiti. So I had additional teachers um, around me who looked like me because I was mainly in countries where I was actually in the majority. Right. Um, so it was actually when I came back that that kind of was taken away from me. Um, so yes, I always knew I was a black woman, but it, the spotlight on me when I came back to this country, um, 
people wanted to put me in a box because I was black. And so they wanted me to act a certain way or speak a certain way. Um, I was no longer in a majority in schools. Um, I guess I was in the majority because I was American, but not because I was black. Um, and so navigating that transition was a bit challenging for me because I Correct. kind of had gained a certain amount of confidence and sense of self. Like I knew who I was literally to where my father grew up in Nigeria. Like I have direct connection there. And then I came back and things were a little different. <laughs> right. Right. And, and as a black person, not even using the title given of African-American, I look back and say, I don't know my African lineage there. So I prefer to be black because I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. And so I appreciate you being able to say that. And as a black person, I've always thought about that in a weird way. I don't know where my origins are. And to you, for you to be able to say that, that you can go back to Nigeria and say that, I think is so powerful. And I say that's, that's a testimony that I lean into and appreciate as you say it. So thank you. Oh, no, of course. It's important to me. I mean, who I am and my heritage. Um, and that is probably why I am someone who will go back and forth with terminology. You know, I'll say I'm African-American. I'll say I'm Black because of I know my direct connection. You know, right. I grew up with my father and my mother, um, all of it. So, yeah. It, that's so powerful. And as we do these moments where we honor slave um, enslaved people and what they've done and what's been built and what campuses were built on their back, I always lean to the point where while slavery is important, there's so much more Black excellence outside of slavery. Mm -hmm. And there's so much Black excellence of the educators, the doctors and lawyers and entrepreneurs and those first teachers that set foot at Madeira, Episcopal, Woodbury, colleges like William & Mary. So while I appreciate that moment and sentiment, I really value what you're saying with knowing where your Black African excellence came from and really just say, it's just so important. And that's something I really focus on by speaking with you and knowing who you are and being able to have positive synergy. And I just say, thank you, Patricia. Well, thank you. Um, as you navigate this conversation and kind of reflect, and I'm glad I gave you a little bit of a, a coaching scouting report earlier, <laughs> but knowing what you know now of your years of being in independent schools, being around media and production, um, all of your wonderful degrees and education that you've gone through after Madeira and since, what would you go back and tell your younger self as you look at ninth or 10th grade and rolling into Madeira? I think, uh, you know, that is, it's an interesting question because I feel like having come back and worked in independent schools, I've had an opportunity to do some of that. I might not be telling myself, but because I've been able to reflect on my experience, um, things that maybe I regret, um, doing or not getting involved in things like that, I've been able to try to impart some, I don't, I don't want to say wisdom, I, I might not be that wise, but <laughs> wisdom or create space for black and brown students in the schools that I've been at. And what I would say to myself is, you know, you're going to come into this school and people put you in a box because idea of what black is and you may not fit in that box um, because of your journey um, and that's okay um, I would also say to myself especially my early ninth grade self 
stop trying to push back on being <laughs> Catherine's little sister so much that you don't <laughs> join the Black Student Union for yourself early on. Um, VP <laughs> <laughs> of it, but um, <laughs> um, I didn't think I needed it, even though I was in the picture. You can see me in it. Um, so I would tell myself it's okay and that, you know, don't be worried about feeling insecure about being accepted from your, by your own community. I sometimes felt different from my own people. Um, I talked white was, was a phrase that was thrown at me, things like that, that sometimes I was worried about fitting in with people who did look like me because I wasn't from I don't know, Southwest, Southeast, Northeast DC or Philly or, you know, certain places. And so, you know, I felt like my blackness was being questioned. Oh um, yeah. It's a gift and a curse. You're, you're too black for independent school, but too white for the real world when you get back out to it. Exactly. And I think that, that, that was, that was such a long process to navigate that. And I, and I regret falling into that trap. Um, I think, there's so many things that could have been different if I, maybe if I had been more confident, if I hadn't been made to feel sometimes small by different people, that was not their intention. And that's across, that's across race. Um, if I had just kept some of my confidence in that moment. Um, but, you know, I've gained traction since. Uh, thank you, Patricia. And I just say, thank you for sharing your testimony, which is so important. Um, and part of in doing this and everything you're saying it's kind of sending that space of that imposter syndrome of what we experience as black men and women, diverse men and women, that is difficult that you think that you're doing something and you're doing it right, or you're working twice as hard, only get half as far. But sometimes you're not able to simply put that into words and it happens in this weird microcosm of a life, but then you don't necessarily have the ability because of embarrassment or bewilderment to speak that truth to someone else. And I hope this podcast allows diverse people and people of all walks of life to hear that and know that like you have a purpose and that you are doing something right, but just to communicate it. And that's really, really the synergy that I'm doing to create this. And one thing I'll ask that's kind of off the record or kind of just, I haven't given you this question yet, but as I navigate this space and try to build my LLC and my nonprofit, what I'm doing, what am I doing well and what can I possibly improve as I look to continue to literally uh, bridge legacies across campuses? Well, I mean, I think giving voice to all of our stories is what's important because there are um, people in independent schools who may not, I mean, none of us walk each other's journey, right? They're all different. Right. Yours and mine are right. different. You know, it doesn't matter that we are of the same racial background. Our, our journeys are, are different, but sometimes there, there are people that don't see us. Um, and therefore may not see the experience. And, right. you know, I will say that my, my best friend, um, godmother of my child, um, I met when I was 13 at Madeira. She is, we are so different in so many ways. <laughs> um, right. She's white, I'm black. She, I was, you know, I was a fine student. She was a great student. Um, she's musical. I can't play anything. Um, <laughs> We are just so different. And as we, and there are a lot of things I experienced as a student, you know, microaggressions, probably some macroaggressions, et cetera, um, that she didn't experience. 
And it wasn't until we got a bit older that we've talked about my experience as a black woman at Madeira. Um, something maybe she knew, but was young and, you know, didn't really know, like, what do I do with that? Right. Or didn't really see it, but then has thought back on it. And we've had some real, real conversations. Um, and she's trying to do her own real work. Um, and it's not asking me to teach her. Um, right. She's doing right. her own work. Um, and, you know, that, that's also been interesting. And I see things she's doing in her own community um, out West. And so, you know, I think the more we share the stories and so many different ones, you can't say there's just one monolith. Um, nope. Then hopefully the more people see. And so if they're looking at, you know, different students at a school, just because there's a smile on their face, doesn't mean that everything is perfect. And that's not to assume that everything's wrong. You don't have to go up Correct. and be like, I know you're smiling, but is everything really okay? Um, right, right. But don't just, don't just make this something like, well, I mean, you seem happy, you see a smile. Yeah, I was all over the place, but there were things that happened and I have to choose and pick my battles and I had to wear armor, uh, continue to navigate through spaces. It's, it's just kind of what we have to do sometimes. Right. And, and again, I'm just honored to have you and know what it means as you have a moment that you're going to be in a yearbook photo for your recent school as the head of upper school. And then there's going to be a moment where you're going to be at a special place at St. Mary's. You're going to be the assistant head of school. And knowing what that means to be a woman, one, knowing what it means to be a black woman, two, I just say congratulations to you that I know you take the burden and also the privilege seriously. And I know that you do this to represent every child, but you also probably think about that younger child of yourself and your sister and me. And I just say thank you because these schools are doing a heavy lift of, especially with the boarding school piece, but in the school, independent school piece alone, it's a heavy burden and a huge responsibility. And I just say thank you for standing in that space as a moment of professional side point and also the personal things that you have to kind of deal with just to be in that space every day. And so I just say thank you. Well, it's important to keep showing up, right? That's all we, that's all we can do mm -hmm. is to show up. And as long as there's that one moment, that shiny moment for one child, we know we made a difference. And it may not happen until four years after graduation or at graduation. But at some point, it's always good to have that one child tell you you made a difference and it lets you know it wasn't all in vain. And I just say, Patricia, I wish you the best of luck as you change from the beautiful weather of Florida to the <laughs> humidity of North Carolina. And I hope you enjoy yourself there. And I look forward to being in touch with you and um, being updated with you and everything you do. And I just say thank you, Patricia, for your time. And I will look forward to our next conversation together. Well, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. And um, I'm looking forward to um, whatever I can do and the impact I can have, um, even if I don't know it, because that's not why I do the work. Perfect. So. Well, folks, that's another edition of Bridging Legacies Across Campuses. I look forward to you all listening, liking, and sharing. Patricia, thank you, and I'll talk to you later. All right. Sounds good. Bye, Jonathan.